Uh, Taylor, you know, from the minute he stepped on the field, he looks like a Saints defensive back. The dude is aggressive. He is chatty. He is long. He just crashes down in run defense. Um, he plays a little out of control sometimes. You know, he's missed a lot of tackles this year. He's, he's been at fault on some big plays allowed this year. But he is, you know, he, he has such great instincts for the position and he understands passing concepts so well that he just constantly puts himself in position to make a play. The recent play of Elante Taylor has to have Saints fans feeling good about the 2022 draft class. We already knew Chris Olave was a home run. We'll do a progress report here later on in the program, but first and foremost, it's the Saints Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with John Sigler, the managing editor of USA Today's Saints Wire. John, how you doing this week? You getting all ready for Christmas? You do all your shopping? You get it all done? I know you don't wait till Christmas Eve. Come on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we've got everything done. I've got to... um Mix up some cookie dough, uh, get that, get all that set, uh, set out and ready, and uh, we'll, we'll be good to go. So, very, very excited for the holidays, get, looking forward to catching up with the family as much as I can with the uh, the Saints playing on Christmas Eve this year, but it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll make the best of it, and uh, re- really lo- looking forward to it. Before we dive into this week's episode, we just want to say, uh, I think I speak for John when I say we hope you have a safe, happy, and healthy ho- uh, holiday weekend, you the listener. This will be our final podcast of 2022. We're going to be off next week, but don't worry. We'll be back in the first week of January with a new episode to finish up this Saints season. Uh, we, we can't give up on the season yet, right, John? There's now a 2% chance of the playoffs, so the, the percentage is actually climbing. So we can't give up on the season just yet. Hey, everyone. Th- thanks again for your support and uh, allowing us to do this. And um, hopefully we'll have more positives to discuss here, like the uh, the Saints playoff odds. You know, I'm sa- yes, I am saying there is a chance. Uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, the Saints had a 0.7% chance of reaching the postseason. Uh, going into the bye week with a loss uh, that has since imp- that has since improved to two point six percent. So you know we're going to the moon here. Uh, we, we, we uh, yes, I am saying there is a chance, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully the Saints can continue to get some breaks go their way, and just uh, really intrigued to see how things play out in a, you know in such a terrible division here in the NFC South. Yep, it's wild, and we'll have all the Dumb and Dumber references you want, John. There's no <laughs> problems there at all. Uh, yeah, and, and speaking of more positive news, Dennis Allen is trying to get the ball to Alvin Kamara. That's positive, right? He says to the postgame presser, John, you're tweeting about this. Fans were reacting, so this is where I wanted to start. Dennis Allen saying in the postgame presser this week that uh, there was a concerted effort to get uh, Alvin Kamara more involved, not just in the run game, but getting the ball in his hands in a variety of different ways. And I think, you know, while that is music to all of our ears, John, uh, why DA do you have to wait until the holidays to, to get the ball to your best player? Right? I think that's what we're all kind of screaming at our TVs and computer monitors right now. Yeah. You know, you wait until uh, mid-December to figure this out and say, hey, we, we should do something about this. Um, yeah, that, that was very suspect to me. But, you know, hey, better, better late than never, I suppose. And, you know, AK, he did have, I believe, 23 rushing attempts um, or, or combined touches in this game with... Uh, the, the the dirty birds um, rest in peace, and so that that was good to see. It still comes down to usage for me. You know, it's not enough to say that you know we we have Alvin Kamara and he's going to get the ball twenty to twenty five times. It doesn't matter to me if the volume is up if you're still not using him intelligently and with a creative vision. If you're still having him run between the tackles for you know two yards in a cloud of dust. And just throwing him, you know, into Grady Jarrett's face mask and then being shocked when he doesn't make a play. 
Uh, to me, that, that that does not move the needle. And we've got to see the Saints get more creative with AK, make the most of his skill set. And I just don't think that's going to happen here down the, in these last uh, three weeks. And we haven't seen it all year. And I, I just don't think that Pete Carmichael has it in him to really open up the playbook and take these shots and dial up a screen. You know, that was a stat I looked at earlier. Um, earlier this week here, you know, in, in the wake of DA's comments about how they're they're ju- just now getting around to leaning on Kamara. Um, from 2017 to 2020, the Saints ran 135 screen plays with Alvin Kamara through through the 67 games that he played. That that's two screens per game from the, for the first four years of his career. Um, that's with Sean Payton at, at head coach. That's with Drew Brees at quarterback. Last year, we took Brees out of the out of the equation. That dropped off a bit, and I think you would expect that because, you know, if you have the most accurate quarterback in NFL history, you want him working with Kamara on these uh, screen plays, these timing plays uh, where a lot of precision is needed. And we saw it drop off without Breeze to just 1.2 per game. That, that's 15 screens in 13 games per pro football focus charting. Uh, that's still, that, that that's good. You know, it worked out well last year. For some reason in this year, uh, AK has played 12 games and he has only had eight screen pl- uh, passes. Uh, the, the, the Saints have only drawn up eight screens through 12 games for Camara this year. And to me, that is just like, you know, that, that that's a fireable offense. Like you are actively sab- self-sabotaging and not putting a player in a position, you know, to win. Something that you've seen him do well before that, that he's doing well this year. AK, he's only had those eight screens but he's averaging 9.7 yards per catch on them. That, that's the second highest total of his career, his best mark since his rookie year. And I just don't understand why, you know, the Saints are, you know, the, you know I, I don't like the expression, but they're, uh, you know, cutting off their nose despite their face here. And I just don't understand it. And I really hope that, you know, DA is seeing it and taking steps maybe behind the scenes to kind of pressure Pete into script into drawing up more of these screens, uh, writing them into the opening script, doing what the, well, doing what they can to put their best player in a position to make a play. Well, I said earlier, we'd love to see this sooner with Kamara getting more involved. We'd love to see him getting 20 touches, 20 plus touches. I think as Ross Jackson was saying on Saints Wire as well in his article and his, his breakdown, I think what seven or eight takeaways from the game, John, uh, yeah. there's still more to do on this front, right? Like Saints fans, <clears throat> while we could be happy that AK obviously got more involved as Dennis Allen said in his post-game presser. Uh, there's still more to do on that front, more work to do on that front in terms of yes. really featuring him. Yes, absolutely. And he needs those featured plays where you're, you're you know, throwing the screen to him and you have, have some blockers out in front to get, uh, get him some room to run. And we, we just need to see more of it. And the saints have done it well this year, but they haven't done it often. And to me that, that is you know, the central issue. So hopefully they can get that corrected here in in these last three games. Well, another topic that might, you know, promote positive vibes from you, John, we'll see. We'll see if we can pull some positivity (laughs) out of you here uh, in this season is, you know, Alante Taylor is obviously standing out in recent weeks, uh, looking like a starting corner, which is, which is a good thing. It just got me thinking, we've talked a lot about Chris Olave on the pod this year, obviously. Uh, I just had a feeling like, give me, uh, give us a progress report for that Saints 2022 draft class as we stand right now, right? Chris Olave, as I you know, forementioned, home run, obviously. We got Trevor Penning, jury's still out on him. Alante Taylor looks like a hit. You got other guys you could talk about, like DeMarco Jackson, Jordan Jackson, the defensive tackle there. But you know, I think you know, you have to include Rashid uh Rashid Shahid 
in this conversation too. Great find as an undrafted free agent. Big play waiting to happen. Maybe a fantasy sleeper down the stretch. We could talk about that as well. What's your progress report? You could do this any, you know, satisfactory, unsatisfactory, ABC, whatever you want to do, John. What's your progress report on this draft class as we stand right now in like the wake of Elante Taylor kind of busting out a little bit? Yeah. So I think this has been a, you know, a pretty solid class on, on on the whole for what we're getting. You know, you have two players who have two rookies who haven't gotten on the field. One of them is on IR. Uh, that, that's a DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker out of App State. And then the other one is a defensive lineman, Jordan Jackson, on the practice squad uh, from out of the Air Force Academy. Ha- we haven't seen either of those guys yet. So I kind of hesitate to be too critical about, about it all. Um, but when you look at the players on top, you know, your, your top three picks – and, and and Shahid as well, who you know he he ran more routes than Chris Olave did uh, th- this past week. I think there's a lot to be encouraged about here. I, I, I'm really optimistic on each of these guys. Um, Olave, you know, I've as far as I'm concerned, he's the second coming of Justin Jefferson, and I, I fully expect that to be his career trajectory over these next few years, especially if the Saints if the Saints can get him a quarterback. And that to me, that is just a major storyline of the offseason is can they find someone who can make the most of Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara? And to me, that's a really uh, great problem to have if, if you have these kind of talents and you, and you need to uncork them. Um, but Olave to me is, is a stud. There, there's if you're looking for negatives, I think you would say that, well, he doesn't get a lot of yards after the catch. And he, he's not very strong at the catch point on these contested catches. And those were issues for him in college, too. And those are also things that you could work on. You know, you can draw up routes for him that are going to allow him to make a play after the catch and catch the ball in stride and keep moving. Or he can, you know, get with Michael Thomas and uh, work on the uh, the hand yoga <laughs> in the offseason and work on, his, work on his grip strength. And these are things that you can work with that you can work on and develop and cultivate. And I, I think Olave is, you know, he, if he's, if, if he's not already a superstar, that's where he's headed. And I'm, I'm so excited to see his career continue to play out in new Orleans. Now you look at the other guys, Trevor pinning, uh, he's, he's been improving week by week. His snap count has gone up week by week since he got back from injured reserve. He does have some issues with penalties, which is what we expected. Um, you know, he's had, uh, I believe he's had a false start. He he had a, uh, like an unnecessary roughness, I I, I believe, a couple of weeks back. So he, he's coming along. He has, he's not starting yet. And I don't think he was ever expected to start this year. You know, you go back to our conversations in preseason and the thought all along was, well, well just because he's our first round pick doesn't mean that we're immediately starting him over James Hurst, who is, a, you know, a competent left tackle, a veteran in this league. So I think Penning is, you know, he, he's right on track for where he needs to be, if can, can, all things considered, you know, and that includes, you know, missing half of his rookie season with, with the toe injury, uh, that, that, that turf toe. Um, so like you said, the jury is out on him, but I'm feeling optimistic. You know, I'm seeing him move people. I'm seeing him play through the whistle. And that, 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 that's what I wanted to see from him in December. And then Elante Taylor, let's circle back where, where we started with this conversation here. Uh, Taylor, you know, from the minute he stepped on the field, he looks like a Saints defensive back. The dude is aggressive. He is chatty. He is long. He just crashes down in run defense. Um, He plays a little out of control sometimes. You know, he's missed a lot of tackles this year. He's he's been at fault on some big plays allowed this year. But he is, you know, he he has such great instincts for the position and he understands passing concepts so well that he just constantly puts himself in position to make a play. And I know that he, you know, Look, 70,000 people in the Superdome saw him intercept his first uh, 
you know, interception uh, of his career on, on Sunday. Everyone except Cleet Blakeman look, looking at the instant replay said, ah, oh, well, he wasn't gripping the ball tight enough, so we're not going to let him keep it. That's going to come, you know. Uh, you know, some Saints fans online have uh, called him AT&T because he, he's got good coverage. Um, and I, I like that a lot. And he, he does. He, he covers well and, and he mirrors guys well. And he's such he's a great athlete. So he can he can, you know, there's not many players who can run away from him in this league. And I think he's on the right track. He's broken up 10 passes in 10 games. And I think he's going to be a, a big time player for the Saints as his career continues and as he gets more experience. So. You know, she, Rashid Shahid is, is the the big um, undrafted gem that we always look for year in and year out. He's and he's playing really well. Um, you know, just as a, as a big play threat, I want to say every pass he has caught has either converted a first down or scored a touchdown, and then that, 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 that's a that, that, that's a pretty good feather to have in your cap. So I, I'm I'm optimistic about all of these guys. Um, another name I'd like to throw out is Lewis Kidd. He's a backup guard um, and. He played guard and tackle at Montana State, go Bobcats. And he, he's he gotten some snaps for the Saints this year. With with Cesar Ruiz going on IR, I think he's going to get on the field a little more often. I, I, I expect Calvin Throckmorton to fill in at that spot. We've seen him uh, play there before. Uh, but Lewis Kidd is someone else who I think we shouldn't overlook uh, you know, in this Saints rookie class. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about the group. Obviously, there's room to improve, you know. You can't be a five and nine football team and not have any negatives. But I think the Saints did well for themselves with what they had to work with this year. And I'm really you know, optimistic about them moving forward. I do love Rashid Shahid, John. The more we talked about him this year, the more I liked him. And I picked him up on my fantasy dynasty team. Uh, is he a fantasy sleeper right now? Maybe he's as you said, he's running more. If he's running more routes than Chris Olave, then maybe. But Maybe not this week with the weather, right? The weather across the country, the weather in Cleveland, not looking great for the passing game. We'll talk about that coming up. I mean, how should you approach your fantasy playoffs with all these weather games across the country? It's crazy. Our friends over at thehuddle.com with Corey Bonini are going to tell us exactly what to do. And then John and I will be right back. This is the Typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 16. Quarterback Daniel Jones, New York Giants at Minnesota Vikings. It seems like every week Minnesota's a defense to target for anyone looking to stream a quarterback, but it takes a certain set of circumstances to be willing to roll with Jones. His receiving core is underwhelming, if we're being kind, and the offense runs through Saquon Barkley. No one should bench a proven stud for him, of course. That said, the Vikings have allowed three rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks this year, and three of the last four passers to face this defense have been good for at least 330 yards. If you're in a 2QB setup or you're playing DFS, Jones is an interesting play. Pittsburgh Steelers running back Najee Harris versus the Las Vegas Raiders. The second-year pro has a floor of 9.9 PPR points in nine straight, but has been capped at 14.6 as a high over the last four contests. The Raiders have been abused by running backs in 2022, and it has come in all forms of success. This is a top-seven opponent for ease of rushing touchdowns, receptions allowed per game, aerial yards and outing, and total touchdown frequency since Week 10. Most gamers probably won't be benching Harris, but he could be in store for a much stronger outing than usual this week. Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Marquise Goodwin at Kansas City Chiefs. Wide receiver Tyler Lockett 
pocket is poised to miss this one with a finger injury, and the veteran speedster and Goodwin will be asked to step up. Kansas City is capable of hanging points with the best of them, and this could get Seattle into a pass-heavy script if the defense is unable to contain Patrick Mahomes and co. Goodwin is a risk-reward wide receiver three who is one week removed from a five-catch, 95-yard, one-touchdown showing, so there's something to work with here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers tight end Cade Otten at Arizona Cardinals. Otten was starting to find his groove late into the rookie's campaign before being held to a lone 20-yarder versus the Bengals. Arizona tends to be the cure for all tight end ales, but we've seen a few poor performances sprinkled in among the brilliant ones of late, so this could go either way and not really surprise anyone. If you're in position to either gamble on a lineup spot or you play DFS, this matchup is for you. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. And as we mentioned uh, right before the break there, John, crazy weather game coming up, right, for the for the Saints. Uh, you always have to wonder how a team that plays in, indoors is going to respond to something like this. Outdoors, Christmas Eve in Cleveland, high temperature of probably like 15 degrees, maybe less, occasional snow, windy, right, like 25 to 40 miles per hour. You wrote on Saints Wire, uh, just like... A kind of a wild game, like I said, could there actually could be accumulation of snow, we should say too, right? So this one's going to be fun. You know, it's going to have a Christmas spirit, I guess, uh, when Saints and Browns play if there's some flurries, uh, you know, swirling around. So what do you think about this ball game and, and the Saints like, going outside in the cold and the weather and doing that whole thing this weekend? Yeah, you know, I'm very happy to be watching this game from home and not not be out in that. You know, we're I think that. Last I saw, Cleveland is expecting one to three feet of snow or one to three inches of snow. <laughs> and it, it's going to be it, that's more than I've seen in my lifetime here to, here on the Gulf Coast. So it, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be pretty sloppy. I think, you know, neither team has really passed the ball well uh, as of late. Deshaun Watson has really struggled coming coming off of that uh, suspension in, in his first three games. And, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about the Saints' uh, shortcomings on offense in, in great uh, depth. So one, one thing I did want to go back and look at here is the Saints' history in these out, these uh, out, out games played outdoors un, under uh, 32 degrees Fahrenheit, um, just seeing what their record is in games played, uh, below, you know, below freezing. Because there's there's that narrative that, well, they're a dome team, they're from a warm weather uh, city, you know, that they, they can't hang with the Browns. And it's like, my guy, the Browns can't hang with the Browns. Like, like, come on. <laughs> uh, so I, I think these teams may be on kind of equal footing as far as the weather is concerned and how it's going to impact what they want to do. Uh, the Browns want to run the ball. So do the Saints. I do not like the Saints run defense as much as I like the Browns rushing offense. I think Nick Chubb, if, if you know, assuming he'll be, he'll be good to go. I, I believe he missed practice on, on, on Tuesday. Um, I, I think he's going to have a field day against the Saints run defense. You know, they've really struggled to defend, to guard the run over the last month. Um, we saw uh, Tyler Algier, the, the Falcons fifth round rookie run all over them on, on Sunday. It's, it's going to be a mess. You know, 
it's, it's going it's to be a problem. That, that that's a pretty obvious mismatch to me, and I think that's going to be an, that's going to be a problem. But as but as far as you know, the Saints' history in these games out in the cold, in the snow, in playing below freezing, um, the Saints have won uh, six of seventeen games played in these conditions, which is not a great record. But you know, the vast majority of these happened. When, you know, that, that's how many games the Saints were winning on average. You know, they, they were not a good team for a very long time. Uh, they had, they won 237 of the 594 games they played before hiring Sean Payton back in 06. So they, they lost a lot, regardless of the weather, regardless of, of the venue, uh, regardless of the forecast. So th- to me, that's not, that's not a really big factor. And I went and looked, and in, in recent history, you know, the Saints have played uh, two games uh, over the last decade um, at, at out, outdoors at below freezing temperatures, and they won both of them. You know, they beat the Eagles in Philadelphia in January uh, 2014. That was the 2013 playoffs, and I think that's that's a formula that that, that travels well. Where they they played that game close and tight, and when it came down to it, the, they had they took over with about five minutes left in regulation. And they just handed the ball off to to Kiri Robinson and Mark Ingram, and they just ran and just ran and ran and ran until the Eagles, uh, you know, gave up essentially and capitulated, and it and it set up the game winning field goal. And you know, to me, that is a good formula to try and mimic here and try and keep this game off of Andy Dalton's shoulders and keep just keep it moving and. Lean, lean on what you do well. It'll be tough to run here um, without uh, Cesar Ruiz at right guard. He's done for the year with a Liz Frank injury. Dennis Allen just announced on Wednesday as we're, as we're recording. He's already a bit been, been placed on IR. So, that, so that's going to be a, a, a big blow for them. But, you know, if, if the Saints can control the clock and play this game on their terms and just avoid hurting themselves with turnovers and penalties and, you know, missed uh, opportunities in scoring position, um, I think they've got a chance. I, I think I think the, the odds makers are right to keep this one close. Last I saw, it was a Browns by four and a half or something like that. Um, and I think that sounds about right. So we'll, we'll see who comes out on top. But I, I like the Saints in this game as far as, uh, you know, not getting blown out or anything like that. Yeah. And actually, this line's been moving all over the place. I've been watching it, John. It was at four and a half. It was at four, four and a half earlier in the week. We're talking midweek here on Wednesday. Uh, and the line is now down to three Browns minus three. So there must be money right. coming in. We're looking at the, we're getting our, getting our odds from the typical sports book. Uh, it's now a, a three point spread and the total has gone up. Now the total was at a, like a, an incredible 31 and a half. And I don't know if I've seen a total that low for an NFL football game in quite some time, but maybe this is giving a little love to the offense. Uh, maybe in some of the offense, the saints could bring with the spread moving in their favor, John coupled with the total going up to 32 and a half which is still brutally low and something that you just don't see. The totals are never that low. Uh, but, you know, with the total going up and the spread getting closer to that, you know, key number of three, it seems like there's some confidence out there in the betting world, at least, that the Saints can hang in this thing. So I think you are justified in that take. And now with the line squeezing to three, and in, in, in even three at that, right? So you have, the, you have the push if you want to bet them. What do you think about the Saints at that number, plus three on the road in Cleveland in the weather? Yeah, I like it. You know, uh, like I said, the, the the Browns' run game to me does have an advantage here, uh, but that could fall apart to- totally. You know, <laughs> you know, th- this Saints team 
has played the run really well in the past with this personnel. De- Demario Davis has guarded the run well. David Onyemata has guarded the run well. Cameron Jordan, uh, Pete Werner, all these guys have, have played really well in run defense for, before, and I, I could totally see them uh, rising to the occasion in, the, in this game. Something I don't think we talked about enough was how much they sold out to defend the pass against uh, Desmond Ritter and the Falcons last week as far as, you know, trotting out with a lot of, um, you know, lightweight personnel and dropping guys into coverage more often and, and kind of expecting the Falcons to try and throw on them. And <laughs> obviously that worked out well. So I think maybe we'll, maybe the other shoe drops here and the Saints, maybe, you know, play, play a bit heavier and kind of load up the box and put, d- devote more resources to, to trying to slow down the uh, Cleveland run, rushing attacks. So, I, yeah, t- as far as a toss up, I, I think that's a good way to look at this game. Yeah, I'm with you. I see some value on the Saints for sure at that number. And I think, you know, it, it does. It comes down to stopping the run. The Browns are one of the best rushing football teams in the league with Nick Chubb. Uh, but on the other side, the guy passing the football to Sean Watson, John, it's another reason why I kind of like the Saints. He has not looked very good. I don't know if he's playing better football than Andy Dalton. He is not, actually. No, no, he is not. Like, <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I pulled the numbers up on that here. Over the last three weeks, Andy Dalton has a better completion percentage, touchdown percentage, interception rate. Sack rate, uh, adjusted net yards for pass attempt. Um, he, he is Andy Dalton has outplayed Deshaun Watson over the last three weeks, and <laughs> we'll see if uh, if Watson can turn it around in, the, in this game. I know he's had to knock off a lot of rust. If you put them head to head over the last month, uh, Dalton is the superior QB. Yeah, go figure that. So, uh, so Deshaun Watson, he has not looked good. You throw him out there in the weather, John. Now, again, you know, people can crap on the Saints and say you're a, you're a dome team. You, you don't play well in the weather. Well, Deshaun Watson was a dome quarterback, I guess you could say. He played for the Texans for all those years. I don't know how many weather games he's played in. And now we got Deshaun Watson, who's not playing very well. Again, rusty as hell, right? Playing in the in this game where there could be up to 40 mile per hour wind gusts. Like, I don't know. I don't like the passing game at all for the Browns in this one, right? I'd stay away from it. Uh, you know, that's probably why the total is so low here. But there, there's a lot of signals that are pointing towards uh, giving the Saints a go here as underdogs on the road. I kind of I kind of like it. The more, closer we get to game time, John, the more I like it. And, and that's where we're at. Uh, you wanted to mention, uh, you, you did text me earlier about Steve Grogan. And, and we're, going, <laughs> we're going back to this article it's uh, it, it posted Patriots on legend. Yeah, Pat's legend a little before my time. But, you know, my dad will tell you the war stories of Steve Grogan. I'll tell you that. But uh, I, I just wanted to, like, uh, bump this one article you guys have on Saints Wire. It's, it's a really good read. A brief history of Saints and cold weather games. Uh, that must have been kind of fun putting it together, John. I know you mentioned it earlier in the segment, but uh, it, it's a fun one to put together when you, you know, kind of find the old black and white photos that are in this post as well. Uh, kind of a fun one. Yeah, you know, just a blast from the past. One of these games I want to highlight here, December 1st, 1974, the Saints lost to the Vikings 29 to 9. And that was off of two touchdown catches by former Saints wide receiver John Gilliam, uh, teaming up with Fran Tarkenton for Minnesota um, in, in the snow. And that was just kind of a classic uh, re- re- <laughs> revenge game for the, for, for the ages there. So th- that that was kind of cool to see go, going back and look. Um, another one that I, I, that one of the games that gives me more optimism this week than anything else is uh, 1989, December 10th. The Saints beat the Bills in Buffalo in an inch and a half of snow, uh, 22 to 19. And they went into this game as underdogs by six and a half. Uh, but they, they, they kind of came, came to life with, 
uh, with a 54-yard touchdown catch uh, by, by Dalton Hilliard in, in the first quarter. Uh, Hilliard had 32 carries on the afternoon, just, just bludgeoning the Bills. And most importantly, the Dome Patrol defense just smothered Jim Kelly. And they they picked they intercepted him three times they they uh they sacked him twice they they recovered they forced a fumble out of him and, and recovered it and it was the it was only the second home loss for Buffalo that entire season and to me that is what the Saints need to do this week they have got to play physical aggressive defense they have got to you know assert themselves offensively and control the clock and play this game on their own terms just like they did in Buffalo you know. You know 89, uh, 33 years ago. <laughs> um, gosh, that's before my time here. Um, yeah, you know, you, you look back at the history here and there are plenty of games that they that they won that they should not have. You know, they, they beat the, the Packers in that, you know, old Milwaukee County Stadium in 1971 when they were eight point underdogs. And they came away with a win. You know, uh, Charlie Durkee set the franchise record with uh, five field goals in, in, in a single game. And to, to me, that's what the Saints have to do here. They've got to make the most of these opportunities in scoring position. They've got to be aggressive on, on defense, challenge the Browns, force Deshaun Watson to make a play, and, you, you know, just make the best of it in these conditions. So it, it should be an entertaining game, and ho- hopefully the Saints can come out on top. Yeah, perfect conditions for Christmas Eve, let's be honest here. And yeah, John, the, the, the funniest part about reading that 1971 game where the Saints did beat the Packers that you just mentioned was the the distances of these field goals, 12, 12, <laughs> 11, like 12 yard field goal. What? So that, that really had me laughing out loud while reading this one. Yeah, man, it, it was fun. Just, just running through here, looking at these old box scores, going back, looking at these whole, these old highlights. Um, another game I want to, I want, I want to uh, draw attention to here was when the saints, uh, they, they visited the big goals back in 2000. Yeah. December 5th, 2010, uh, they, they went to Cincinnati and, and won in the cold 34 to 30. And that was just a vintage Drew Brees game where he see that the Saints, they, they established an early lead. They held on to it for the entire game until the Bengals rallied late in the fourth quarter to take the lead by a field goal. And Brees had about four minutes to drive down the field. He, and, and he did it. Not only did he do that, facing fourth and one inside the Bengals territory, he get he baited the Bengals defense into jumping off sides for a free first down in scoring position. And that is just something that I don't think anyone appreciated enough about Breeze when he was quarterbacking the Saints. Hopefully it's something that his that his um successors can pick up and you know come away with another win in Ohio in, in December here. All right. So once again, that article on Saints Wire is posted earlier this week. It's called uh, let me scroll back to the top here, John. Good radio as always. A brief history. <laughs> of the Saints in cold weather games. Definitely a fun read. Check that out before Saints Browns should be a wild one with the weather. Looking forward to it Uh, for John Sigler. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Once again, we will not be back next week. We hope you have a happy, healthy holiday. We will be back the first week of January to pick up and finish out this Saints season. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.